little bit earlier on during um, uh, the blessing and dedication of Isabel, I read to you um, from Luke chapter 18 um, when Jesus welcomed the little children. But I wanted just to put that in, in the context. So I was going to just speak on that passage, but also on the bits around it because it comes in, in a time when Jesus is asked some questions where he's teaching as well and he includes that bit about children in that teaching but I wanted just to to get the context so we're going to read if you've brought a bible or if you have it on your phone or you can just watch it on the screen the words will be up there so it's from Luke 18 reading from verse 9 to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give my tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. A certain rich ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandment. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. Then Jesus heard this. He said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I just think Jesus is brilliant. I don't know if you remember the uh, Mr. Men and Little Miss books. Anyone remember those? I don't know if you had a favorite Mr. Man or Little Miss. Um, my particular favorites were Mr. Bump, and uh, Mr. T- especially when my daughter was little, Mr. Tickle, because uh, he always came in handy. Um, but there's another one that I really like. Can we just click through those? Oh, there's Mr. Messy. Little Miss Christmas as well is great. But there's one more, one more. Mr. Topsy-Turvy. Now, he's one of my favorites because Mr. Topsy-Turvy wore his bowler hat upside down. He held his walking stick the wrong way uh, from the wrong end. And he walked the wrong way up and down escalators. 
and he got thrown out of the library for turning all the books upside down, which I promise you, you probably would, being married to a librarian. Thanks, Steve. Jesus turned the world upside down. Some people have called him, actually, the real Mr. Topsy-Turvy. He came to reveal to us what God was really like. And in the passage we read, Luke tells us that Jesus is, just if you read the whole context, Jesus is about to ride into Jerusalem in triumph. And he chooses to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. In fact, on a foal of a donkey. And he comes to Jerusalem as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he will be crowned in Jerusalem. But the crown that he gets is a crown of thorns when he is tortured. And then he wins the most amazing victory through his death. On a cross. He is the king of the upside down kingdom. The first story, and it's a parable that Jesus tells, is about forgiveness. And he says that two men went up to the temple to pray, or or you could say went to church to pray. And one was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. Now, in the Bible, the Pharisees were really religious people. I mean, really religious. You could say that they were obsessive, compulsive about religion. And everybody knew that tax collectors, and they weren't looked up to at all. In fact, they were looked really down on because they worked for the Romans. And they were considered by lots of people to be sinners and traitors. But listen to what Jesus says about forgiveness and getting right with God. The Pharisee is so religious that he misses out on God's forgiveness and God's grace. He's so busy being self-righteous, holier than now. He doesn't even ask God for forgiveness. He doesn't even think he needs it. Did you hear him in the story, what he prayed? He prayed this. I thank God I'm not like everybody else, those sinners, evildoers, or even, as he caught at the corner of his eye, the tax collector. And then he started to reel off his own merits. Well, you know, I'm so good because I fast twice a week and and I give away a tenth of what I have. And then the focus turns to the tax collector. The tax collector knows he's not perfect. He knows he's messed up. He knows he needs God's forgiveness. And he doesn't even pretend to be good. He's really honest with God. He knows he can't impress God with the things that he has done because God could see right through him. And his prayer is simple. God have mercy on me. And he grabs God's forgiveness and he grabs God's mercy with both hands. And now for the punchline, because now you and I know the punchline. We've already heard it. But in those days, the Pharisees were kind of looked up to. They were the religious good people. 
And Jesus said, actually, it's the tax collector who's going to be right with God, not the Pharisee. He was too full of himself to actually reach out to God and his love and his mercy and his grace. And what Jesus is saying here, very simply, is that religion doesn't help us, doesn't save us. See, Jesus came to invite us all into a relationship with God, not to be religious. I'm often asked by people um, when they find out what I do for a living, um, because I don't wear a dog collar and things like that, so it's not really obvious. But when I say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reverend, a church minister, one of the first things they do is, sorry for my language, as if I'm going to be really offended for some reason. And the next thing they say to me is, you must be really religious. And I say, no, I'm not, actually. I think religion is bankrupt. And they look at me and think, what is he on about? Because actually religion, you will know this, is man-made. It's man's attempt to get to God. Religion has been the cause of so many problems in the world, the cause of so many conflicts. It's useless. We don't want it. Jesus didn't want to make us religious. He wanted to save us. He wanted to forgive us. He wanted to give us a new life and invites us into a relationship with him. Not based on what we do, but based on what he has done for us. Isn't that brilliant? Because religion often ends like that Pharisee about what we can do as if it's going to oppress God, but it's not. The good news that Jesus brings is that God loves us and he wants us to have a relationship with him. He came to rescue us. It's okay, they can run around, it's not a problem. I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus. I believe he is who he says he is. I believe that he died and I believe he rose again. I believe he's coming back again to make a new heaven and a new earth. He came to give us a new relationship with God. And he's looking for faith. And that's where the next bit about the children comes in. So that's the context. He's looking for faith. So what kind of faith is he looking for? Jesus obviously noticed that people look down on one another, whether it was the Pharisee or others. That people are always trying to look good in the world's eyes. But God sees things differently. He looks straight to the heart. And he even catches the disciples doing it. Because people were bringing babies, like Isabel and young children, to Jesus. Because they wanted him to bless them. And the disciples, you know, because they were around Jesus, they sort of said, nah, this can't be right. Jesus is so important and so busy, he hasn't got time for children. So they were saying, they were, in the Bible it says they were rebuking. Basically, they were shooing them off. Shooing the children away. Shushing them up. Now, you'd never go into a church and get your children shushed up, would you? If you ever do, it's not the church for you. Because Jesus welcomes the children. And actually, he says something really profound. 
because there's something about children that Jesus picks up on about their trust and their love. They are so trusting and so loving. I mean, we saw that with Isabel this morning, in the arms of her mum and dad. She was secure and she was so happy. But I, I mean, I, I haven't seen this in action, but I can guess that if Isabel really needs something from her parents, she makes it known. <laughs> Children have this amazing ability to be honest and tell you when they need something. Now, I know it gets a bit complicated when they grow up and they're wanting lots of different things. And I think Jesus is talking about the little ones. The little ones have a capacity for God and faith in God that is so amazing, that is so simple. It's like a trust thing. And Jesus says, if you don't have a faith like that, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Because actually when we grow up and we become so sophisticated, we put all these barriers in about, oh, I can't really be, believe in Jesus because of this and because of that and because of that. Actually, he is your loving savior. He is the one you can trust more than anybody else. And he loves you so much that he's come to rescue you. In the days of Jesus, the children were not important but even, even today, in many places around the world, they're treated as disposable commodities, especially girls. But Jesus says children are important and they're the ones who truly show us what it means to accept and enter God's kingdom. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. And he rebukes his disciples and says, let the children come. Because the children are not proud. They know how to cry out for help. They are a picture of that trust and contentment. Jesus says, the proud miss out, but the humble receive. And there's this wonderful verse. I read it at the beginning uh, from John's Gospel. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you receive Jesus, you are given the right to be a child of God. That's amazing. And the third part, very quickly, is who do you think Jesus is? In the final bit of our passage, Jesus meets, he actually meets a very wealthy young man. And he comes to Jesus with a question. And the question is this. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Fantastic question. But actually, Jesus sees something through the question. Now, the world in those days, and maybe now, sees wealth as a sign of blessing. If you're really wealthy, uh, you, you know, you're blessed. You're successful. Wealth gives you power. And we see that everywhere. Do you know the Bible says the love of money is the source of all evil? We often mistake that and say money is the source. No, it says the love of money is the source of all evil. Think of some of the evils just 
We've watched you know, the trafficking of people. The smugglers are just doing it for money. They're making themselves rich on the misery and even the death of others. It's the love of money. Source of so much evil in our world. And Jesus knows that actually wealth can get in the way of faith too. Because maybe wealthy people, their security is in their wealth and they don't think they need God. But we all know that when it's gone, it's gone. You can't take it with you. Wealth and finance is a resource to be used. But I want to pick up on one thing the young man calls Jesus. Good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? God is the good one. He's trying to point this man to who he is. Jesus is God in the flesh. And at the heart of Christianity is this question, is what do we believe about Jesus? Jesus wants this man to see deeper. Now, lots of people today think Jesus is a good man. I mean, we run Alpha courses uh, twice a year. We're on to our 53rd course. And we, we hear the same questions, which is great. First question is, who do you think Jesus is? And people say, well, we know he's a real person. We know that he lived 2,000 years ago. We know he walked on this earth. But, and he was a good man. He did good things. Some even say, well, he, he must have been a, a prophet or something. He must have been, an, you know, or a miracle worker or something like that. But that's not enough. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. If you've heard me, you've heard God. He claimed to be God in the flesh. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. And those who encountered Jesus, especially the religious, like the Pharisees, knew that he claimed to be God because they tried to kill him and accused him of blasphemy that a mere man claims to be God. But in a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Christmas together. We remember Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. And you know what? If someone claims to be God, you really have to sort of ask questions about it, don't you? And the conclusion is this. If someone claims to be God, they're either bad, as in they're an imposter, or they're mad, a bit crazy, or it's true. I don't think there, there's many other kind of things, you know, if someone says that. So when you look at Jesus, who do you think he is? He claims to be God. He claims to be the one who can forgive sins, to give eternal life. Do we think he's bad? Well, no one had a bad thing to say about him. Think of one thing that you can think of that Jesus did that was bad. Okay, is he mad? Was he deluded? Again, think of what he said and what he did. I don't think you can pin that on him. So we're left with this amazing third alternative. Everything he said is true. And he asked you and me to believe in him. Jesus came to die for us, to bridge that gap between a holy God and sinful people like you and I. And that barrier has been broken. And the most wonderful thing is this, 
When Jesus died for us, it looked like the end, the upside down kingdom. It looked like the greatest defeat of all. But death couldn't hold him. Rose from the dead. And he's alive forevermore. The only reason you're here in this building, in Chipping Camden, at the school hall on this Sunday is because Jesus is alive. Why else would you be here? The Pharisee, holier than thou, too religious, missed it. The rich man, we're told, goes away sad because Jesus actually put his finger on something that stopped him. It was his love of money. What's stopping us from trusting in Jesus? In the upside-down, topsy-turvy kingdom, Jesus welcomes anyone who will put their trust in him just like a child. Jesus came to win the greatest victory ever, and he invites us to be part of it. And this Christmas, we're putting on events where we can invite people to come and just hear the, this amazing good news. I hope that you'll be part of that. Shall we just pray?